0: Welcome back to Knockout News with Conor Dolonis. I hope everybody's having a good day today. So we're going to jump right back into where we left off last week and we're going to talk about the Makachev versus Green fight night we had over the weekend. As I said I would not be surprised if Makachev were to come out with the win and that's exactly what he did. Although he did it not how I was expecting him to do it. Makachev defeats Green first round KO. I don't think He's ever gotten a KO in the UFC before because he's more of a wrestling guy. And whenever that happens, it's usually pretty surprising. And I did not expect that to happen against a guy like Bobby Green, who is a striker, who's very good at striking. That was very interesting to see. I don't know. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I were expecting Bobby Green to, like, really stop Islam Magachev because Islam Magachev is one of the best fighters in the lightweight division currently and he might be the best fighter in the lightweight division. He just hasn't gotten able to fight for the title yet. Yeah, but I think he can realistically challenge anybody in the lightweight division no matter who they are, even even Charles Oliveira, the title holder, even Justin Gaethje, whoever, Michael Chandler, whoever. I think he can probably beat or at least be competitive with any of the top top guys because he is a top guy now. I mean, he's he's proved it. So nothing really else happened that crazy on that fight night. Notable mention might be Terence McKinney. You know, it was his second fight in the UFC. He's become kind of popular after his debut fight because he knocked out his opponent in the first round in 8 seconds. I think it was the fastest debut of any fighter in UFC history. So, I mean, that'll get you some attention, of course. So, he won. It was a first round. It was a first round submission. That he fought. He won over the weekend, defeating his opponent by a first-round submission. So we'll see what's next for him. You know, he's obviously nowhere close to ranked. You know, he's just uh, a new fighter. So we'll see what happens with him. But that's really... I mean, the breakdown for this fight night isn't isn't too long. Nothing crazy really happened. There wasn't really a lot of notable fighters. I don't think there was any ranked fighters besides Islam Makachev on the whole card. So... Moving on to UFC 272. Uh, we didn't spend a whole lot of time on it the past two weeks just because I knew it was coming for this week. So we can go ahead and break it down a little bit further. So UFC 272 is has the main event of Jorge Masvidal versus Kobe Covington. And this is a very interesting fight. Both guys are coming off of losses to Kamar Usman, the champion. Covington is the number one contender still after losing last November to Kamaru Usman. And Jorge Masvidal is the number six-ranked contender. He is coming off of double losses to Kamaru Usman. He fought Kamaru in in 2020 in the summer on Fight Island. It was a short-notice fight. For him, I think he had a week to cut the weight and make it to Abu Dhabi for Fight Island with Kumar Usman. And so he lost. You know, it was a really boring fight. A lot of people were kind of dissing Kumar Usman for fighting the way he, that he did because everybody thought that he'd be able to beat Masvidal a lot easier and he wouldn't have to use these just slow, drawn-out tactics. But He won. Fair and square, although really boring. And so Kamar Usman said, Fine, I'll give you another rematch. And that was last summer in 2021. And that time, <laughs> after, so during the whole press conference and everything, Masvidal was saying, He said, You know, Kamar Usman's not that powerful. You know, he punched me and he stomped on my toes and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, that was what Kamar Usman did a lot in their in their first fight. Apparently, he was stomping his toes a lot. I mean, that's just point fighting, I guess. You're not really doing any damage with that strike, but you're just getting you're getting shots off, I guess. Anyways, but during the whole press conference, he was saying, you know, Kamar Usman is not that powerful. You know, he punched me and it just didn't hurt. And everybody was just kind of laughing and Kamar Usman said, "You'll see." Um <laughs> You know, when they fought, he did exactly that. He knocked him out. I can't remember what round it was, but he he knocked Mastodal out cold. And it was kind of like a statement win. And that was last summer. And Mastodal has not fought since then. Kobe Covington got the next title shot after Gilbert Burns this last December, or this last November. So Kobe Covington's fresh off of a loss, and Mastodal hasn't fought in over a year. But we will see what happens. You know, Jorge Masvidal and Kobe Covington used to be teammates. They used to be training partners at American Top Team down in Florida. You know, that's a, that's a huge gym. There's a lot of guys that that train there. Most notably, you got like Dustin Poirier, one of the best fighters in the lightweight division. You've also got Amanda Nunes, I know, that works out there, who is the greatest female fighter of all time so far. Just a bunch of guy, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of guys that work out at American Top Team. It's kind of just become like the the bona fide like ultra gym if that makes any sense. Like it's just where everybody goes. It seems like um, at least for a little bit. You know, a lot of guys have, have their own training partners here and there, but it seems like a lot of people at least spend a little bit of time at American Top Team because they're so good at developing their fighting their fighting talent. And I think Covington, I think Kobe Covington got kicked out of American Top Team, I think for talking smack, to Jorge Masvidal. I know that there's been times where guys have been able have been contracted to fight each other, even though they've all trained at American Top Team. Um and I know that the owner of the gym said like no trash talking during the week of the fights or if you're contracted you can't like really talk to the guy that you're supposed to fight even though you might be training partners. And I think Kobe Covington broke that rule against Masvidal, and so he got kicked out. And it's just become a really big, huge feud over the years. You know, Jorge Masvidal is really good friends with with Tyron Woodley, and Kobe Covington and Tyron Woodley also have a really big beef that got that got kind of settled last year or two years ago. Kobe Covington beat Tyron Woodley in a fight. I think that was one of Tyron Woodley's last fights in the UFC, actually. But yeah, so Masvidal has always been really good friends with Tyron Woodley, and he also doesn't like Covington. You know, these two guys just actually just really hate each other. Um, it's it's one of the few times in the UFC where it's actually been like a straight up feud, like a like these guys actually hate each other. You know, a lot of the times fighters will will say stuff, they'll talk smack during the uh, lead-up to the fights. And it's really just kind of a promotional value, you know. You want to make people think that you don't like the guy you're fighting. And most people probably don't love the guy that they're fighting, but these guys absolutely cannot stand each other. Like, if they saw each other on the street, it would be a brawl. So it's going to be really interesting to see this fight because I feel like whoever has the coolest head could probably win this fight but at the same time I know that none of them will have cool heads and it's just going to be kind of rage fueled (laughs) slugfest you know but if I were just going off of straight analytics and how the fighters fight I would think that Kobe Covington could win this fight but you should not count Masvidal out you know Masvidal has been around the game well they both have been around the game for a long time but Masvidal has been around since you know the 2000s he's gotten, he's been in a lot, a lot, a lot of fights. I think he has over 35, 36 wins. Not all of them in the UFC, obviously. I mean, that'd be insane, but he's got at least 35, 36 pro MMA wins. And I think he's got over double digit losses, but it's not crazy. I think it's like I think he's like 35 and 13 or something like that. I could be very wrong, but it's uh, that's in the ballpark anyways. Kobe Covington, you know, he is also very good. He's He's been around for a while, just not as long as Masvidal has. Um, Mastodol is getting kind of up there in age, but he's still a very competitive fighter, I think. So we'll just have to see how that plays out. I mean, I feel like... It could make for a very entertaining fight, and I, if I had to say, I would think that it does not go all five rounds. I think, I think, I think one of them gets a stoppage before it's all said and done. Who that is, I have no idea. If I was a betting man, I would probably put my money on Kobe Covington, but you know, like I said, you can't, you can't count Masvidal out. So the weigh-ins and the press conferences are this week. I'm currently recording this on Tuesday. You know, they usually do the weigh-ins on Friday, and they either do the press conference the same day or they do it on Thursday, you know, because the fight is on Saturday. I'm not sure, but next week when we do the breakdown of this card, I will definitely talk about the weigh-ins and the press conference because I'm sure it's going to be fireworks, you know. Mastodon and Covington are going to make for a very, very entertaining press conference. So moving down the card, you've got... Rafael Dos Anjos, RDA, versus Rafael Fazeev. And apparently a day or two ago, maybe three days ago, Fazeev is apparently out. Fazeev is apparently out of the fight because he's got COVID. And so they need an immediate replacement. You know, this happens from time to time. There's a lot of guys that say, yeah, I'll fight, I'll fight, I'll fight. And usually it doesn't go too well for the person who steps in because you know fighters they have months long month long training camps or probably over a month probably two month long training camps to to prepare for the certain fighter that they're fighting because you know everybody has a different style so you have to train for it and you also have to just get yourself ready to fight you know you have to make sure you have to get yourself to the right weight to where you can comfortably cut the weight down to your your weight class at 155 is where they're fighting at and so sometimes it just doesn't really work out or most of the time doesn't really work out for the people who step in on late notice but islam makachev you know the guy that won last weekend says that he would be willing to step in islam and rda were supposed to fight recently like they're supposed to fight and i'm pretty sure rda rafael dasomnius i'm pretty sure he got covid before their fight or it was an injury or something I can't remember, but they're supposed to fight recently, and they didn't and I think the whole fight got scrapped and so Islam has offered to step in on one week's notice and from the looks of it RDA seems receptive of that happening I think he said somewhere on Twitter or Instagram that they had unfinished business because you know they're supposed to fight before and they and they couldn't and so I feel like the UFC could Make that fight pretty quickly here. I mean, I think that would be a good a good fight for the co-main event. But also, Renato Mercano, Moisano, uh however you want to pronounce it, Moisano, also said that he is ready to fight. He fought on the Izzy Adesanya card, uh, UFC two twenty one, about three weeks ago. If you don't remember the breakdown of that, he won in a submission of Alex Hernandez. So he said he's also ready to fight. If I had to say, I think that the UFC would probably give Islam the fight just because he's the hotter fighter. And, you know, actually Islam doesn't even really need to fight this fight. I think he's done enough to secure his title shot for whoever's next. I think, I think Justin Gaethje is going to fight Oliveira next, but after that, I think it's it's wide open for anybody. So Islam has more than secured his title shot. You know he's undefeated. He's won like four fights in the last year, I think. So and he's ranked number four before he just beat Bobby Green. So he'll probably either still be ranked number four or or even number three. But even then, you can easily get a title shot if you're ranked number four. So, Islam doesn't even need to fight RDA, but they were supposed to fight before. And so, I guess he's just saying this is his way of just making sure he fights who he's supposed to fight. And he doesn't duck anybody. So, it'd be really interesting. I would I couldn't say who would win that fight, you know, based off of the pattern of the last five fights. I'd say that Islam has a very, very good chance of winning that fight actually, because, you know, he just stops anybody that's in his way. But RDA, Rafael Sanios, is a veteran of the sport. He is very good at what he does. I think he might be losing a little bit because he's getting up there in age. But his resume is absolutely crazy. Yeah, Rafael Dasanios' resume is kind of incredible. Going all the way back to 2013, he has two wins against Cowboy, he fought Khabib, he fought Benson Henderson, Nate Diaz, Anthony Pettis, Eddie Alvarez, Tony Ferguson, Neil Magney, Robbie Lawler, Kobe Covington, Gamaro Usman, Kevin Lee, Leon Edwards, Michael Kiesa, Michael Chiesa, and Paul Felder. You know, not all of these fights were wins for him, but he has only fought the best of the best. All the way going back to 2014. And so he is a true competitor. He only wants to fight the best of the best. He only has fought the best of the best. And so he wants to keep it going. I mean, obviously. And so right now, Islam would be ranked ahead of him. So there's no reason for Rafael Dos Anjos to not take this fight. There's every reason for Islam Magachev to not take the fight. So we'll see what happens with there. But Renato Moisano, it would also be an interesting fight. But he looked, uh, Renato looked like he was actually losing the fight against Alex Hernandez before he won the fight. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter at this point. But yeah, he was he was not having a good time until he finally just got around for. I think he I think he choked Hernandez out. I can't remember the the exact submission, but I think that's what it was. It's really interesting to see what the UFC chooses to do here. You know, RDA is one of the premier veterans in the in the sport, I guess you could say. We'll just have to see what happens. I mean, I don't really know. Moving on down the card, the third fight of the night, we've got Edson Barbosa versus Bryce Mitchell. Edson Barbosa is another veteran of the sport. You know, he's got he's had a lot of fights. He's been in the UFC for a very long time. His record is twenty-two. And 10, he's number 10 in the featherweight division, even though he is a career lightweight. Lightweight being 155 and featherweight being 145 for men. Edson Barbosa is another one of those guys, just like RDA. Going back to 2014, he's got a win against Cowboy. He's got a win against Bobby Green, who just fought this last weekend. Um, he's, fought, he's fought Michael Johnson, Paul Felder, Tony Ferguson, Anthony Pettis, Gilbert Melendez, Benil Dariush, Khabib Nurmagomedov. He's also fought Kevin Lee, Dan Hooker, Justin Gaethje, Paul Felder, Dan Ige. And recently he's fought Chikadze and Shane Burgos, who are both prospects in the featherweight division who can take out anybody. And Barbosa beat... Burgos, but he lost to Chikadze. That was in August of 2021. So that actually wasn't too recently, but that was around three TKO apparently. Edson Barbosa is uh is a veteran. He you know he's been around since twenty thirteen. Just uh um, from the last fights that I mentioned, those a few of those are pretty old fights. But nonetheless, he's only fought the best of the best. Um, he's kind of gone through a little bit of a career downturn recently. You know, he is getting older. He is getting older, you know, being around from 2014 and being young back then. He's been around for a long time and he's seen a lot of fights. And he is fighting Bryce Mitchell, Bryce Mitchell, Thug Nasty. Doug Nasty is all the rage in Arkansas these days. He is fourteen and one, and he is five and zero in the UFC, and he is the number eleventh ranked fighter in featherweight. And Edson Barbosa is the number tenth ranked fighter in featherweight division. Bryce Mitchell fights out of Cabot, Arkansas. He trains in Searcy, Arkansas, and he also trains he also trains in downtown Little Rock. There's a there's a gym down there by the river. Bryce Mitchell, like I said, is 5-0 in the UFC. His last fight, he beat Andre Feely in October 31st of 2020. And I think why he's been out for so long is because he hurt his hand in that fight. I think he broke his hand in that fight. But he still got the decision win against Andre Feely. And the fight before that, he fought Charles Rosa on May 9th of 2020. And that fight was really interesting because... Charles Rosa is a respected black belt and Bryce Mitchell kind of had his way with him in like jujitsu wise on the ground. And Charles Rosa did not look like he knew anything of how to counter whatever Bryce Mitchell was doing. And Bryce Mitchell had become very popular before that fight in his fight before that, which was December of 2019 when he he pulled off a Bryce Mitchell pulled off a body twister submission in that fight. It's one of two times in the UFC that has ever been been pulled off. The first one was the Korean Zombie Chan Sung jun. He he put somebody in a body twister like a while back and bryce mitchell is the next one to do it it's a very hard submission to put somebody in because you have to be in full control over the other person and it's not very comfortable as the name describes it it's a body twister that's literally what it does it it, he's able to twist your whole body up other than or, or rather than you know just like a choke or like an arm bar or a leg leg lock or something you know like that you only have to grab one part of the body but with the body twister you have to get their whole body contorted and it's a very very interesting way to submit somebody and in his fight against Charles Rosa he put him in a body twister he put him in a body twister attempt i think like four or five times and the crowd was going crazy because nobody's or only one other person has been able to put somebody in a body twister once and nobody's been able to do it twice and so he didn't get it twice yet anyways. But in that fight, he put him in an attempt like f- four or five times. And it one time was very, very close to ending the fight. But I think the round ended before he was able to get the true, I guess, torque on him uh, for him to be able or for him to have to submit. But so he's become very popular just from how crazy good he is on the ground. And so with this fight with Edson Barbosa and Thug Nasty, it's definitely a clash of styles. You know, Bryce Mitchell being a jiu-jitsu ground game artist kind of guy, and Edson Barbosa being one of the best strikers in the UFC ever. Um, So we'll have to see what happens with this fight. A lot of the times, or not all the time, not, not a lot of the times, but sometimes you see With these two clashes of styles, if the person on the ground that's really good at ground game is really good at closing the distance, then they can just take down the person who's not as good at at ground game. They can take them down relatively easy and then just do whatever they want to on the ground and usually win the fight. But that doesn't happen all the time. You know, uh, sometimes good strikers can keep people at distance because those people don't want to get hit. (laughs) And so if you're really good at striking and you can use your legs to your advantage and if you have a long reach, uh, Edson Barbosa has a five-inch reach advantage over Bryce Mitchell. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out because if Edson Barbosa can keep Bryce Mitchell at range, keep him from, from closing the distance and trying to take him down, then Edson Barbosa could very well win this fight. But if Bryce Mitchell finds a way to get past the striking and get to his body and take him down, then I don't know if Edson Barbosa can handle Bryce Mitchell on the ground because he's that good. It's up in the air. You know, it's one of those interesting fights. Uh, It's a real clash of styles, and it's always interesting to see how that plays out. So we'll just have to see how it does play out. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit biased for Bryce Mitchell. You know, him being from Arkansas, him being the hometown kid. Everybody from Arkansas knows who's, uh, who he is. Everybody watches his fight, so it'll be really interesting to see. Moving on down the card at the fourth fight on the card, or the fourth fight down from the main event on the card, is Kevin Holland versus Alex Oliveira, the Brazilian cowboy. Kevin Holland is ranked number 14 in the middleweight division. He's 21-7. and seven. And Alex Oliveira is not ranked, and he usually fights in the welterweight division. He's 22, 11, and 1. And they are fighting at welterweight. So Kevin Holland is coming down from middleweight to fight Alex Oliveira at welterweight. Welterweight is at 170, and middleweight is at 185. So, And so Kevin Holland's coming down to fight Alex Oliveira. So that'll be interesting because I don't think that he's done that yet in his career. I don't think that he has done that yet in his career. I think he's fought all of his fights at middleweight. So Kevin Holland's an interesting prospect because he was kind of on a roll at, at the beginning of his UFC career. I think he started his career. He started his UFC career in 2018. I think he took one loss to Thiago Santos. His UFC debut was at UFC 227, on uh, August 4, 2018. And he fought Tiago Santos in his debut fight. And he lost to him since then. He he beat a lot of guys that just aren't ranked. But, you know, he wasn't ranked either. So they were pretty even fights. He lost to Allen. So starting in 2020, he's kind of been on a roll. Uh, He fought Joaquin Buckley. I mentioned last week. He fought Joaquin Buckley, he knocked him out. He fought Stuart, on He he fought Jakar Souza. Jakar Souza was like his first like really, really big win. Even though the Jakar Souza is not as good as it used to be, but it was just it was the best guy up until that point that Kevin Holland had fought. And that was at UFC two fifty six. That was an interesting fight because it was uh he KO'd Jakar Souza, but it was from the ground. Like Jakar Souza was on top of Kevin Holland about to get into like full guard or half guard or something like that. He was looking at advancing his position on the ground and Kevin Holland just reared back while his back was on the ground and punched Garci Souza in the face and actually knocked him out, which I think that's one of the first time that's ever happened. And so then people started trying to look for him to be in bigger fights and he fought Derek Brunson um, in March of twenty twenty one. That was a decision loss. It went all five rounds. I think I think Brunson just kind of manhandled him. And then his next fight was April tenth, just thirty days from that Brunson fight. April tenth, twenty twenty-one, he fought Marvin Vittori. Vittori kinda of did the same thing. He kinda of just took him down, clinched him. He just put a lot of pressure on him, and Kevin Holland just didn't really have an answer for it. And so, and after that, I think he was gone for a long time. He was trying to get better at, at his ground game. I think that's what he said. He was just going back to the drawing board. And he fought uh, Dawkus. Charles Dawkus, I think, is his first name. Um, that was a no contest. I can't remember what happened with that, but that was October of 2021. He has not been active since then, so this is his first fight back. On uh, this is his first fight back in the UFC in three f- or like five, five to six months, and he's still ranked number 14th in the featherweight division, or he's still ranked number fourteen in the middleweight division. But he's not fighting in middleweight; he's fighting a welterweight. Um, Alex Oliveira, Alex Oliveira has been in the UFC for a long time as well. He's fought guys like Gilbert Burns. He has fought Cowboy, he's fought Greg Brooks, he's fought Tim Means, he's fought Ryan LeFleur, he's fought Carlos Condit, he's fought Mike Perry, he's fought Max Griffin, Nico Price recently. Nico Price is his his most recent fight, and Nico Price won that via un, a unanimous decision um, October of 2021. Oliveira doesn't have quite the resume that a lot of these older guys do. You know, he's he's won a lot, he's lost a lot. You know, he's got some bad losses. You know, he lost to Mike Perry, who was not in the UFC anymore. Mike Perry fights in the the bare-knuckle boxing league that they have made recently. But anyways, so if Kevin Holland is looking to move permanently down to to welterweight, I think this is a good fight to start him at. But if he's not, I kind of don't know why he would take this fight. We'll just have to see. Both these fighters have fighting styles that are close to each other. Uh, They win by knockout more over 50% of the time. Kevin Holland wins by knockout 52% of the time. Alex Oliveira wins by knockout 55% of the time. Kevin Holland wins by submission 29% of the time. And Alex Oliveira 23% of the time. Kevin Holland wins by decision 19% of the time. And Alex Oliveira wins by decision 23% of the time. But Alex Oliveira has a higher knockdown average per 15 minutes. Uh, that would be like a per three round fight, which is the normal fight length. Alex Oliver has a knockdown average of 0.44 knockdowns per 15 minutes uh, or per three rounds, five five minutes a round. And Kevin Holland has a 0.27 knockdown average per 15 minutes. So they have a very close fighting style. I think it could be a really good fight. It could be really competitive. If I were a betting man, I would say... I would have Kevin Holland pulling this fight out. I just think that his striking is just too good. um he's very accurate when he when he throws he's very good at he's very good at setting up his shots if that makes any sense. He's very good at getting to the right places where he wants to be to be able to land effectively and accurately. so I think Kevin Holland's gonna win, but would not be surprised if I get on here next week and tell you that Alex Oliveira won. So with that being said I think this is going to wrap up my Knockout News episode 3 for you guys and we'll be back next week after these fights take place and we will talk about them.